Tuesday Night Talk is a part of Real Sound Reviews YouTube channel where I make tutorial, reviews and many incredible things to help you in sound creation. You can support by donation on patreon.com zdv and indeed subscribe to never miss a single episode. Today I'm very glad to receive Sabine Indrikson Moore, known as Water Flower. I'm very glad you're here. Nice to be here. Yeah. Thank you. So um, you are musician, sound producer. Um, you are also a graphic artist. We will speak about the uh, visual works and videos you are doing and get further into the details um, there is sound experimentation and so to start there is always this uh, cheesy question on how you would define uh, your work as it is at the crossroad of all these different aspects uh, sometimes you are speaking about avant pop um, maybe you could Tell us more about all this. Yeah, the uh, the moment that Waterflower was started, it was called uh, Crawfork uh, back then, and uh, I was studying in art school, uh, but I needed an outlet for uh, for my my love of music because I was, you know. Well, as, as you are as a teenager here. <laughs> Some are. I was one of those who were really into music. And I just started creating stuff. Um, and because it happened in parallel to the art, then later on I realized that it kind of went hand in hand and it became the obvious uh, medium where I can really put in like everything, everything that I do. Um, and then, I mean, what it ends up being, I guess, is just down to what I'm really interested at that time. So originally it was a lot more um, I would say field recording, but it's really at home made field recording based mm. um, sounds. So I would build compositions out of toys I found at home and things like that. Um, and then over time it became more ambient. At first it was noisier, then it became more ambient. And then something happened around 2015. I, uh, I started to be in a, a band. Uh, at first it was a duo, MMMM. And uh, uh, it, was, it was like uh, I, I, I lived the teenage period I never had before through that project. And I was just like, yeah, you know, like, let's make bad music. <laughs> And uh, 
And uh, because, like, uh, my creative partner was, um, well, I introduced him to music in, in general. And uh-huh. uh, I, I liked seeing, like, where he goes um, with, you know, just what, what he works with. And I was uh, inspired by the simplicity of what he went for. And I was like, okay, well, let's try this. And I kind of really got into these strong electronic, uh, oh, by strong I mean uh, purely electronic uh, sound palette. And uh, then what Waterflower is now is like all those things together. <laughs> mm. It seems to me... Um when I listen to your first albums on Bandcamp or your live in Budapest, that there is a huge work on voices, that you uh, use it as an instrument on its own with uh, loops and uh, sound manipulation, experimentation, and indeed a strong, very low pitch shifting effects yes 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 mm, that's uh, I I'm, I have always really liked to work with manipulating the voice mm. uh, I find it's uh, really interesting what happens if you pitch it down or pitch it up and then pan it different ways and uh, that's that was what underlined the music I created before uh, Now maybe I think I'm a lot more. Uh, hmm. I, I'm, my my relationship to my voice has changed <laughs> mm-hmm. than it was before, so I don't know what direction it's going to take me next. But uh, I'm on a journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe more lead vocals, or uh, it, it has more presence as a row uh, row thing in your music mm, yes at the moment I'm exploring more lead vocals but also I'm not sure I am the right vocalist for uh, the kind of classical lead vocals so um, I wouldn't want someone to misinterpret it when hearing it to think that the um, the aim is something uh, like a pop vocal, <laughs> mm, mm. and uh, and I uh, recently I was thinking I'd love to go back to doing more uh, more experimental vocal sounds. So we'll see. Like actually, right now I am working on a, a new album, and I like how the demos sound. <laughs> They are. They are uh, a lot. Uh, there's. It's. It's gone somewhere else since uh, Baltagaisma. So. You were speaking about your teenage years, and there is uh, indeed always this very classical, cheesy question about what were the kind of things that matter to you at this time that that you considered to be inspiring or influential and for example when one uh, watches the um, video of find it 
it looks uh, close to um, affix tween like with, with, with this morphing that has become a reference uh, like if Chris Cunningham has been doing this um, as a video director. The um, affix twin influence was kind of obvious to me into the rhythmic patterns but maybe there are other things that have influenced you not only in music but also in plastic hearts yeah no i i really like afx twin mm -hmm. that, that for sure um and with that like uh well all the things that came that that came like there was Eamon tobin that was very interesting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and uh, mode selector and well, Tom York, I've always been really, really liking his work. And then, I mean, the obvious one is Bjork to mention, but you know, that kind of goes without saying. <laughs> you, you are the Latvian Bjork, but uh, maybe this but is too much to handle, I don't know. I think there are a couple, uh, a couple ladies out here uh, um, competing for this title. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, in my teenage years, I had a riot girl period where I was just so loving that aesthetic and and I was listening to Babes in to Toyland and Hole mm. and um, really getting into that side. Uh, but at the same time, I absolutely loved like The Knife, this Swedish electronic music project. Mm. I don't know them, but... This Slater Kine comes to my mind as a right girl indeed. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the knife is a, an important one to mention because the singer has a lot of pitched down vocals mm -hmm. in uh, their music. And they mostly worked with modular, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a digital person. So, <laughs> And then, you know, I have some guilty pleasures from that time. Like, um, like... Uh, I was fascinated with um, the vocals from uh, the singer Evanescence because she would uh, she would make the singing style was like crying, but it was still singing. It was I I really I really loved that uh, how how uh, a vocalist could kind of sound like they're about to cry, but then uh, but then turn it into music. I thought that was really something special, but you know that's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I understand. I sometimes I uh, I listen to Slayer, and uh, I cannot tell anybody that's uh, a dirty secret I have. Yeah, well, you you uh, you didn't listen to any um, I don't know indie pop of uh, of the nineties. Like we were, we were talking the other day um, in a different circumstance about the Foo Fighters, for example. You didn't seem to get really into this kind of music. Or... Well, I was a big placebo fan. Okay. But that's that's again because the vocals are like weedy mm -hmm. together with the guitar well, sounds. Yeah. I I love the guitar sounds in placebo. So, yeah, uh, Interpol at the time as well mm, well the cure were important mm -hmm. gold frap mm -hmm. 
very, 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 it was very special to me. And then Tricky kind of came hand in hand with Goldfrapp. Um, and it's interesting, like, uh, how, how much I loved Goldfrapp. And then I later understood that the things I liked the most in Goldfrapp were actually uh, what was inspired by Scott Walker. So, so that's, that's something I, I really, really like. So you are saying that you are now writing an album that will be quite uh, different from Baltigeisma and uh, you are also a um, sound producer when you are working um, in your project with uh, your partner Richard, uh, what is called Abuses. And um, I was wondering uh, if there is um, some sort of key moment uh, in sound production uh, that is some sort of soft spot or um, if there is something that is absolutely essential inside the sound design process if you are using only DAW, are you using hardware, this kind of stuff? I started out by being a digital person and then I had quite a few years of going the hardware route and since COVID I've decided like <laughs> back to digital. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel really comfortable with uh, with software-based things and I love that there's like so much possibility and you can just keep on piling stuff mm -hmm. and changing parameters and I don't think I really require that hands-on touch, not right now. Like I can spend such a long time on a track and get really obsessed with uh, with the sound of each individual instrument and how it fits together and solo various tracks together until I'm really happy how they sound. And I love to also take breaks between uh, these like sessions and, uh, and sometimes like totally restructure the songs. I, I'm quite into um, playing with, uh, with uh, the listener's attention I think that um, a lot of interesting things can be done if it's interesting the whole time. But also, I love filling the sound. So something a bit like the wall of sound is is really mm -hmm. what I'm into. Mm -hmm. Maybe uh, making the harmonies with several different instruments. So instead of a chord being with one synthesizer, I I, I create layers with various synthesizers to create that harmony. So you don't seem to belong to this category of musician or sound producer that maybe I belong to now that feel that uh, with um, digital processing, DAW and software, there are sometimes too many possibilities. Um, do you uh, know where to stop or how to focus in any occasions? I, yeah, I think I think I'm okay. Mm. 
it's it could be like some drug i don't know it's uh it's but uh do you i found my favorite things okay mm-hmm. like uh i i found um i have a couple favorite plugins i mean it kind of changes over time until mm-hmm. i feel like i've done everything i can with those few pl- plugins but i have my favorite tools and um and i really love trying to achieve a certain goal that i have and i'm not going to do it the first time and i'm probably not going to do it the seventh time either but what i create in the process i listen back to it and i just love it i'm like wow and then then i can spend time making that into something that i would call finished <laughs> and um, <clears throat> um do you have a specific criteria for this when you decide it is finished as a part of sound design or sound creation or is it something that can be manageable and that can change also during the mixing process um mostly it has to sound like finished before the final mixing so it's mm. kind of like it has to have all the elements that are necessary and nothing that's is spare i i just listen back to stuff a lot mm-hmm. like a, a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. and and what i mentioned before about taking breaks uh sometimes stuff is almost finished and i listen back and if it still sounds almost finished then i have some work left to do <laughs> that's a good that's a good criteria yeah and and time is, can be best of the, the best allies that we have uh, and um what are you not doing uh, mastering um mixing sometimes well I don't really have the equipment uh, at home to properly master my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So um so I'm not doing that. But uh, sometimes I do release something uh, that I master myself. Um so you, you know like there's there's been recent tracks as well. Uh so I guess someone can try and guess <laughs> which ones I did and which ones I asked someone else but but uh i i kind of i just kind of feel more confident sending it to someone else because i just i don't have the monitor set up so so we um already mentioned the fact that you are a visual artist uh, and in the sense that you are crafting sculptures or plastic art uh doing animation also and uh there are these videos that are a huge amount of work very long process some are different like uh, the one about uh, but it's called sneak pulktonitis it is a little punkish and more raw uh i would say um but the thing that is really striking inside some uh, of your videos like in uh, Vayorogi is uh how much you change your uh personality uh and your embodies these characters to the point that one can 
sometimes be confused and don't recognize you. Uh, uh, in Vyorogi, you are getting out of the branches. You you were behind the branches, and when my wife saw this, she was saying, "Is it still her?" And uh, so uh, I was uh, wondering. Uh, why there is this drive inside of you sure as um, a manner of uh, creativity uh, a creating process in itself but that's uh, very specific to your artistic identity and i would be curious to know more about this mm, it's like a game yeah <laughs> Um, I, uh, I, I love, um, I love creating characters and I love, uh, embodying characters. And I think for, for each song, I, uh, I guess I, I feel the character that is in, in that song. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I, unfortunately, I, I don't totally know why I do it, <laughs> so so I'm not sure what to answer there. But um, mm, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and because for some of the characters, there are hours of makeup and dressing, and yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of like, I also feel like, where else in my life can I do this? <laughs> it's like, there's there's no other platform for this kind of thing, because I certainly wouldn't want to just like look look like that every day. I mean, I, I've, got, I've got time, like, I would spend that time on other things. But uh, when it's um, for performing, I feel like it's it's like dressing up to go see the opera, kind of. It's mm -hmm. a celebration, and I mean the characters. They they are about um, this kind of very very feminine character, like something that I I don't think I really am like in day to day life, and um, and I think I feel like I need to put the character on, uh, so I don't have to do it anywhere else, <laughs> and. Um, and also, there's a little bit of this rebel aspect that the processes I go through uh, creating the music and and actually um, all the all the pre-work and the setup. I think it it kind of doesn't glue very well with these really like flamboyant um, characters and. Uh, Maybe that's just how I see what the music scene is like in this country, in Latvia, but I feel that there should be more like femme, femme woman representation in, uh, in electronic music. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of like you can do that stuff and also look like that and that's okay. And it's, and it's, it's a little bit of a, um, a rebel thing to do that but also those characters are because they are so feminine i kind of feel that uh one of the cliches of 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 being something very feminine is to 
well, if we think about like feminine energy, then the it's um, it's very giving, but it's also silent. So it's like it's look but don't speak kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I like that the character, like it kind of looks like I I don't know. I'm gonna sing like a siren or something, and <laughs> and um, and then I break that because the music is nothing nothing like that, and. I feel like it's a juxtaposition of a lot of things and I want to give a voice also to this kind of character and this kind of femininity and um, and also it really it really works with uh, the kind of um, art education that I had at the time when I started making music because we were doing a lot of classical painting and analyzing a lot of classic painters' works, and there, this is very much how the female characters are portrayed. I mean, okay, they don't have glitter and all that stuff that's like a modern edition, but um, mm, it's kind of like that's what I was seeing when I first started to find my voice in music in general. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a personal uh, nostalgia trip, I think. Okay. <laughs> So you, you take these references and you try to do something completely different uh, out of this and you, you and at the same time you, you embody this okay and, and fighting against stereotypes you know, yes. if, I, if I get it mm-hmm. yes. yeah I mean the one problem there is like is it understood <laughs> but <laughs> That's, that's a whole different question. Um, you give some material to something I deeply believe and uh, then we can exchange also about this in, um, in, in this interview is uh, the fact that um, some um, models are built to, with the goal of being very revolutionary are to step aside from the norm in uh, with new identities but uh, some generation later you can have second thoughts about this and wonder if sometimes this step aside is sometimes very revolutionary and not normative or alienated in itself and no longer revolutionary as it could be or could have remained but the initial spirit seems to have been lost somehow and these are models that we should be able to address or question in any way i think about uh, identity also i found your lyrics uh, really disturbing sometimes for example, in uh, Vairogi, there is a moment when you're saying, um, if a translation is correct, no one will take us by surprise. Our shields are, our ancient songs are our shields. No one will take us by surprise. Is it a reference to Latvian identity and history? Yes, like uh, that certain piece, uh, most of the lyrics are from a poet, uh, Vitas Ludens, and actually there's a, a much, 
more famous uh, song created from this same poem. Because mm -hmm. um, actually that piece was a commission by the Latvian Literature and Music Museum some years ago. So in his case, the poem was, uh, it was quite important during during the fall of the Soviet Union and Latvia finding its itself again. Um, and there was a period when I was really, really interested also in creating my own version of my identity as a Latvian. And uh, I got involved in quite a few projects where uh, I was asked to uh, create something new with some poets poet's work. I had some Reins and some Aspasia and some Vitaus Ludens. Yeah. And yeah, I had the choice of various poems to choose from, but this was the one that I chose. I think I liked, what I liked about that poem was that it suggested that the Latvian people are connected to the land that they uh, were born and live on and that that is that is the main connection and and uh, this song about ancient shields speaks about that that they're tied Latvians are tied to the land but I also like it from a concept that any land that you are on long enough you identify with so <laughs> uh, what do you think what do you feel when you see what Hungary has become when you see what uh, Poland has become and um, um, do you have any fear that Latvia could become not strictly the same but could undermine the freedom of uh, women or minorities uh, like it happened in these countries well, I mean, it is quite scary what's what happened in Hungary. But at the same time, for Poland, for example, like despite what's happened there, the uh, the underground movements, the strength in the underground movements and the solidarity is amazing. Like uh, from what mm. I have been in Poland and performed in Poland, like the 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 punk collectives, the feminist collectives, the queer collectives are really really strong, and I think like whilst it's not it's not great that that is the reason why, but at the same time their their strength and uh, visibility I think goes beyond the borders of of just Poland, and so I mean whilst it's it's not a justification, but at the same time I'm I'm, I'm really proud of proud of the Polish music scene for their what they're managing despite everything. So there is hope that is left. <laughs> and and, and, and collective. And a collective. Mm -hmm. Because if if that outside oppressor is the reason enough for the collective to come together and really find ways to emote with each other um, then and therefore have a louder collective voice, then I think that's just that's just part of it all. So it's uh, it's, but for Latvia, I mean, I I live in my own little bubble, <laughs> mm. and I don't plan to change that. So, um, <laughs> also, you made some sort of 
documentary about the Draking movement um, in Latvia and in the Baltics. Could you uh, tell us about this project? Yes, so um, we filmed a whole load of material uh, actually last year, enough for five episodes. And uh, I'm I'm doing all the all the all the work. I'm playing with my toys in my own personal playground, and I've been left I've been left to play. <laughs> and um, and uh, it's taking a long time, but uh, the first two episodes are out. And the first episode was very interesting because it talked about the differences between being a drag king and being a trans person, for example, and where these things are in parallel and where these things are different. And the second episode was about the history of drag kings, like pre-20th century. Um, and the third episode is going to be about modern drag kings, but more in like a worldly context. And uh, we filmed it all on green screen. And so there's a lot of animation to do in the background. So fingers crossed, it's not going to take me forever again. <laughs> but um, it's uh, in this case, the text was mostly written by uh, the speaker, Laura Stavna, together with uh, Matt Sabarova, who also helped with this text. And I mean, it's just a few drag kings in Latvia, but they're making so much impact. And I feel that uh, also just doing drag, I think it was the first time when I like gave myself uh, a reason to take off like any performative femininity that I might have. And I was amazed. I was like, it was, you know, I had no, I had no clue. I was, I was doing stuff like that in my um, daily life, so it's, um, it's, it's really great. And I hope, I hope the third episode will not take too long. Take too long. <laughs> so the first two episodes are available on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we will put the links uh, of. YouTube already available uh, um, in the description down below and um, <clears throat> to finish I have this magic question I ask to all my guests here uh, how uh, as far as you can remember in your recollection when you were a child or a teenager what are your earliest memories linked to music or sound I am unsure if if it's if it's a memory purely because I remember it or if it's because I've watched uh, a VHS tape of the thing <laughs> but um, there there was a tape of me when I was like two or three. And in that tape, I think I, I'm running around with some balloon or something and there's a band playing in the background. There's like music coming from a TV. And I, at one point I found what it was. It wasn't like Yazoo or, or something like that, but it's from, 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 from all that stuff. And 
And then later in the tape, I'm playing on my dad's Casio synthesizer. And I do remember him uh, like just letting me play with it. And then he would play guitar with me and would kind of make a cover song. And I would just play random keys. And that was, that was great. <laughs> that was really cool. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. And um, if you enjoy watching this content, please smash the like button. Consider subscribing if you didn't already. It helped the growth of this channel. Don't forget to share on social network. That's also very helpful. And a huge thanks for watching. And I'll always see you on this channel very soon. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs>